Aaron Hogan, Rod Papers. Austin, Texas Sports, The Horn. I woke up to the morning sky first. Oh, it's the fabulous fifth hour here on Ian Rod V, the fifth quarter. Oh, yeah. Put them up. Still a lot to do ahead of the Jim Rome Show at 11. Go behind the burnt orange curtain one more time. Talk about Steve Sarkeesian, who in about one hour from now will have a media availability after the uh, morning practice wraps up. The players are back in school this week. This Today is the first day of uh, school. So, as we said, essentially training camp, as we knew it, is over, Rod. It's done. It's Saturday's scrimmage. Getting ready for, for game week. Game, game week planning, if you will. Yeah. Which should make today's 11 o'clock engagement with the media kind of must must listen. Now, it's not live anywhere. It won't be on the radio. That's just a Q&A with Sark after practice. But uh, depth chart, if it was if Saturday was a depth chart determining scrimmage, then there should be some depth chart discussions about uh, backup quarterback, corner, mm-hmm. the offensive line, who's won those positions. Because as you – now, Tom Herman was not a big fan of the depth chart, apparently, when he was the coach at Texas because he would no. just rotate guys, which would drive you crazy, Rod. But when you were playing, if you won the one spot, you were the one. Yeah, I think it was it was like a badge of honor. I want the depth chart. I want everybody to see I won the job. It's my job. And I didn't want an or next to the damn name either. Ain't no or. It's my job. Ain't no or next to it. So I think Mac Brown, toward the end of his tenure, he went with the or. You can get, you know, you have the starting spot, but then it's or this other player. I never really liked that. I wanted the starting job. I worked my butt off for it. It's mine. Well, and, and as you said to me before, and I've heard you say on the air other places, I mean, if once you win the starting job, you're on the field unless yeah. you're hurt or you need a, need a blow. Yeah, I, I didn't rotate. I, I mean, I think now it's live, It's a lot more it's a lot more common to see teams just rotating uh, players, different positions. But – you know, if I, if I won the job, I, it was my job. So I didn't rotate. And we had great players. We had, you know, Michael Huff, Cedric Griffin, you know, Nathan Basher. I I don't know. If a coach would have came to me about a rotation, it would have probably been a confrontation <laughs> about that rotation. Like, I ain't rotating. That's my spot. Now, if, I, if I'm down there, if I'm losing my job because I'm getting beat on the field, <clears throat> then take my job away and give it to somebody who's better so that my team can get the win. Right. If I'm my team win, then, yeah, take me off the field. But – if I'm the best player and at this position, which gives my team the best chance to win, then no damn way I'm coming off the field. But like I said, that was just my, you know, but my I think attitude that's healthy. toward it. Well, look, I mean, <laughs> if the depth chart is indeed solidified with what's gone on and you, you feel like if you're DJ Campbell at right guard or, gosh, Cole Hudson or if you're <laughs> Malik Murphy or Arch Manning, you're battling for the job. The, teach, the coaches are preaching competition. Mm-hmm. And so if it doesn't matter, what are we doing all this summer work for? Exactly. What, are, what are we doing yeah. all this for? Why am I working my butt off to beat out this guy? And I'm paranoid about it every damn day. If you're going to play, well, both of y'all are going to play anyway. So, whoa, I don't know. It's my job. I'm the, I'm the best man for the job. Now, rotations on offensive lines are a little different. You've got to keep them fresh. D-lines a little bit different. But we can rotate, but I am the starter. I still think these days, it's like, hey, I am the starter, though. Yeah. I'm the starter. Yes, right. I rotate, but I start because well, I'm and, that guy. And, and you know, Tom Herman was maddening for that because it didn't seem like he had a rhyme or reason of who was in when and why. And he did. He take Colin Johnson out in the red zone. So I'm saying, I'm like, what? what? For, for Kai Money. <laughs> what are you doing? He's six. He's like six four, six five. What are we taking him out in the red zone for? <laughs> uh, too much. Too much. But that could be uh, some newsworthy stuff for sure. For whether he shares that here or, of course, next Monday would be game week, and there'll yeah. be a game week Sark news conference. And I would imagine at that point, that's when the depth chart, as they solidify, would be released. 
So there could be an out today for Sark saying, look, we've still got practices this week. We'll determine yep. that. I think he might he might go that route just to keep it, the information away from sure. the future opponents. Yeah. Uh, but it will be asked. It will be asked. Oh, yeah. That would be, be The no first doubt. one will be backup quarterback. I can guarantee you. Yeah. I think the first question about depth chart from the media will be who won the backup quarterback job. Just because all the reports have been the Arch Manning like the last, I don't know, two weeks has really started to ascend. And if that's the case, then has he ascended to the point where he caught Malik? I don't think he's caught Malik. I, I, I'll i go out there right now and say I think Malik's still going to be the backup because I believe Sark wants – he wants a – a kind of traditional progression at quarterback, I believe, like you talked about, he, he wants Quinn Hughes to have a hell of a year and declare for the draft. See ya. Because he's been fast-tracking his career his entire life. So keep on going, brother. You, you only spend one, two years where you're at anyway. Keep going. You're fast-tracked to the NFL. And then then the competition between Malik and Arch. Then you can have a legit competition between those two and just kind of keep the, the, the progression um, a little bit more organic, but it's quarterback, and I, I I was here during the Sam's Applewhite years, and it don't always work out that way. No. <laughs> Coaches want, would love it to work that way, but that is not the way it works well, out Well, remember, you were here for Sam's Applewhite, <laughs> but I was here too, and if the way it worked out was almost a perfect storm to create a controversy because Major got hurt in the bowl game. Mm-hmm. Major got Texas played down in San Antonio, and and Major got hurt. And he got hurt. He didn't. He have that A and M game where he got like food poison or something yeah, too. Yeah, well, they poisoned the, the Aggies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Poisoned the pregame meal got got tainted, <laughs> got roofied or whatever yeah, they did. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but but then he got hurt in the bowl game, and so he didn't get to participate in the spring, which meant Sims even through the summer. Mm-hmm. So Chris Sims came in as the number one quarterback, and Major yep. wasn't healthy. And it, you know, led to the whole thing. And everyone had known that Major was already because Major's already a folk hero, but he was yep. hurt. He was already a folk hero. That's a great way to put and it. And you would argue that if Major hadn't gotten hurt that year in that bowl game, he would have gone into the offseason as a starter, and Sims could have redshirted, potentially redshirted, and you know, Major would have been the guy. But it became this huge controversy for that very reason. And you know, this case. Look, I mean, I, when you say it's been expedited, because I talk to people and say, well, Quinn Ewers wants to be in the NFL draft this April. If you don't think he and his family have been thinking about this, there's a, they didn't just reclassify from his senior year to become – because once you reclassify the way he did and he got to graduate early, you're now three years from my graduating class. He reclassified his graduating class. So now as his, after his second year of full football mm-hmm. this year – you know, because he was at Ohio State for a semester, then yep. came here for a semester, and then played last year. Mm-hmm. This is his third year. Uh, you know, he gets to be in the draft now. If he had stayed and played at South Lake Carroll, he wouldn't have been been in this no. cycle, right? He sped up the clock. He fast tracked it, baby. And so, you know, there are a lot of you know reasons why you know you can can say why did Quinn Ewers you know cut the hair and get himself in better shape and lock things down. Uh-huh. I mean, there's very likely a conversation that hey, man. Because, like I've said, it's not it's not harsh. It's just reality. If you don't have a good year this year, Quinn, you're, you're, the whole idea of the draft is gone for now, and you're probably going to get passed on the depth chart if you, you know, make some of the plays you made last year. Maybe you didn't have the attention to detail with your footwork mm-hmm. and your mechanics and the the understanding of the playbook like you needed to. Uh, well, this by all accounts, this year he's a whole different player. He's a whole different dude. He's leading. The hair's cut. He's leaned down. He's back to being more athletic in the pocket. He's throwing lasers all over the field because he wants to be in that draft. He wants to be in that conversation with Caleb Williams and Drake May. And that's been the plan since he was in high school. Yep. Uh, whether you agree with that or not, just know that's been the plan. And and again, if, he, if this year he looks not good uh, and he looks like he's not progressing in this offense with the talent that's behind him, 
well, then at the end of the year, there's going to be some hard conversations about, well, you know, you're not going to get drafted. So what's your next step? Yeah. Uh, that will there was be regression. Com- he can't, you're right. If he ended up coming back here, I wonder if the competition becomes an open competition as opposed to we're just, you know, a, a starter, a returning starter, you know, coming back to the Fort Acre. So you're right. I mean, it's, it's uh, I think this is the ideal situation for Sark because he does have arguably the most loaded quarterback room in the country. Yeah. But he, I think they, like you said, the, the projection is that, no, no, once Quinn balls out fast track, he goes, and then there's plenty of room for our young quarterbacks to develop and well, compete. And don't think in the quarterback industry <laughs> and in the, the NFL, they've, they've, been, they've been keeping an eye on Quinn Ewers. Oh, of course. They, they know him. They, they knew yeah. it. When they you're know the, all the five stars. And, yeah. yeah, when you're the number one ranked quarterback in the country <laughs> coming out of high school, which he was, you're on the radar of the NFL. I mean, you're Bryce Young. You're, gosh, mm-hmm. go back to Matt Stafford. You're Kyler Murray. Mm-hmm. They know about you. Uh, very well, and if you show signs of maturity, and you own this 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 offense this year, it does it doesn't as much matter wins and losses. They I mean they can lose a couple of games. Yeah, but as long as it's not because of him. Right. <laughs> as long as he's not the reason they're losing. Well, and Quinn's <laughs> going to throw some picks this year. He's going to have some plays against Alabama. You guarantee he wants back. That's going to be part of the progress. But look, they they drafted Anthony Richardson fourth overall. Just because of potential, yeah. Just because of he's got he's got measurables that only God can give, and you can't teach. And Anthony Richardson <laughs> completed fifty seven percent of his pass last year. He's not a finished product, but the NFL took him fourth. The Colts, um, you know, they'll take you. They'll take you. Yeah. So Quinn Ewers just needs to put himself into that conversation. He's got to have a good enough year and make enough really good throws within this offense that's loaded with talent to show the NFL. Because then you're right. Then the natural progression is on. Then it's. Then you're going to have a battle between Quinn Ewers and Arch, Arch Manning and Malik, Malik Murphy for yep. the starter's job. Whoever wins it will be the starter. Whoever loses it will probably leave. Will probably transfer. Yeah, that's right. But that's part of it. That's it, the, the the quarterback position these days. You got to have the the P Diddy approach. The more money, more problems. Like you want the problems that come with having a quarterback room full of stud blue chips and five star players. Who if they don't win that job will probably transfer. That's a better alternative than being in quarterback hell or quarterback purgatory. So so you want the, the the problems we all do that come with money, and you want the problems that come with a loaded, stacked quarterback room. Yeah, some problems with it, but I'll take those first world problems as opposed to the third world problems. If I can afford that Porsche, <laughs> and I'm not going to be complaining about the uh, the, the tax payment, the maintenance on it, or you got to have the on the insurance, <laughs> the insurance. <laughs> I got exactly. it. That's not a problem. Uh, I got that covered. But yeah, that's to me the the cycle for Arch, and that's why it's encouraging to hear. As I mentioned earlier, I did talk to someone who was at this scrimmage on Saturday. Uh, and and who was also at the scrimmage, the second one last year, and said Arch just looks like a whole new guy. He yep. really does. He looks, he's got control of the offense. Because uh, last year, uh, that same person said, you know, I don't know if he uh, Hudson Card might be better. My Hudson Card might be the guy. Because mm-hmm. uh, of course Hudson Card knew the offense. He uh, did. Hudson know the Card offense. was a veteran player and played football. Yep. And Quinn was still kind of looking lost at times, and we saw that carry over into the year. And I've said this about Steve Sarkeesian. There's an argument to be made that he may have won more games last year if he had gone with Hudson Card. Right? Or at least put him in in a couple of games. Yeah, a couple of games. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, State, most notably, yeah, yeah. Where, he, where the kid looked lost. But mm-hmm. at the same time, he he has now said that that was part of the deal. I needed to see how he handled that. Uh, he's going to be our quarterback. I needed to understand and let him go through it and not put training wheels on this guy and take him out whenever he's struggling. That doesn't help him grow. And, yes, fans can gnash their teeth and be mad about it. But this is the progress. And that's the one of the things that Sark has said is one of the things I, I liked about Quinn was how he handled it. He didn't point fingers. Mm-hmm. He didn't get mad at his teammates. He didn't sulk about it. 
Um, you know, maybe his body language wasn't the best during games last year, but Sark said he was always accountable to it. He was coachable to it. And now we're maybe seeing the, the progress of that this year, you, at least you hope, because if he has a good year, Texas is going to have a good year. There was even a note about that in one of the practice notes uh, and practice reports, I should say, um, that he, it was a scrimmage that they had some turnovers and the offense started a little slow, a little lethargic, and that that they, they they observed the way Quinn handled it and that they thought he handled it in a very mature way just to kind of help the, the offense get back on track, get back in their groove, and get back on schedule even after a rough start to the scrimmage. And that's what you're talking about. You're talking about that ability as a quarterback to to, to withstand the storm or, you know what I mean, or to be able to escape the, the quicksand <laughs> that you're in at times. And last year, sometimes he got caught up in quicksand and he couldn't get out. I mean, basically, out the, the Baylor game was quicksand. He couldn't get out. And Sark said, you know what, you know what, son? You're okay. We're going to take the ball out of your hands because it just ain't working. It ain't all your fault, but it ain't working when we put the ball in your hands. And You're in quicksand And today. we're going to pound the rock. And we're going to pound the rock. Uh, if, this year, they, don't, they won't have that, that luxury. If he year. hadn't pounded the rock against – if he had done that against Oklahoma State, they might have got out of Stillwater they with a win. Got it and they may have been playing in the Big 12 title that's game. That's a great point. That, but that's maturity from Sark, though. We saw that. That's right. That's he, right. he grew a little bit, too, as a coach. Yeah, well said. Uh, all right, so we'll get more on that behind the burnt orange curtain. Rod's thoughts on what he's hearing from the, the scrimmage. We'll also, at the bottom of the hour, we're going to play a tribute to, to uh, Bill Little. Uh, it's, it'll be Bill Little speaking, but our way of tributing the legendary lifetime Longhorn Bill Little, his love for the university, and mm-hmm. we'll play that for you coming up right ahead of Burnt Orange Curtain. But I thought here in our final fabulous fifth hour, because it is the fifth quarter run. Oh, I love it. I felt like uh, up, baby. resetting some of the conversations earlier about the NFL games of the weekend because we have good, bad, and ugly, right? We know that mm-hmm. coming into this uh, Monday morning, the Seattle Mariners have made the AL West a three-team race with their sweep of the Astros while the Rangers were getting swept <laughs> by the Brewers. Uh, if you hadn't been paying attention to the Mariners, they're red hot. Nobody has. <laughs> they're now The Astros are still two and a half games behind the Rangers, but the Mariners are now a half game behind the Astros. How? So, and as I said throughout the, the morning for Ranger fans, the Rangers, seven of their last ten games this year in the regular year are against Seattle. So Seattle is definitely in this conversation. I know Ranger fans were hoping to not get swept by the Brewers this weekend, but the Ranger fans were also hoping that the Astros could have taken care of this Seattle problem because now the whole conference, whole division, and maybe the whole American League has a Seattle problem. They've come mm-hmm. on, they're playing really good. Also, Victor Hovland won the BMW Championship with a ridiculous 61, a 28 on the back nine. That's crazy. And he went right past Scotty. How many Scottie. birdies did you say he had Seven on of nine. Play Seven nine holes. of nine? And they were close. I mean, they were pin hunting in the zone, like a video game. Victor Hovland, twenty-five <laughs> year old, he uh, he was unreal yesterday. I mentioned he set a course record, Rod. Yeah, that course is over a hundred years old. <laughs> he's like, yeah, this is not some thirty-year-old course. Like, no, he's talking about a century-old Olympia course. Fields. Yeah, wow. I mean, this, that, that course is over a hundred years that, old. Yeah, that's, that's wild. You just you didn't you didn't drop that little nugget earlier. Yeah, <laughs> it's a little chump deal. No, no, no. Uh, course record for Olympia Field sixty-one. Pretty awesome. Hey, and, and to win the, the tournament, that was a part of the really good of the weekend. Spain wins the Women's World Cup. Messi's amazing. Messi's uh, amazing. All lead stories. The bad side, we had uh, the Cowboys losing to Marvion Overshone. That was brutal. To the season. Can we play this? Because I wanted to play some of the audio for you, Rod, hmm. here with uh, some of the NFL. Because we mentioned 41 Longhorns. I think that surprised some people that there are 41 Longhorns uh, in training camps right now trying to make teams. And I think a high number of them will. And I think they will, too, yeah. Uh, so, and then some of the highlighted ones. I mean, gosh, because people forget, there's a guy like Taquan Graham who's in camp with the with along Atlanta with John Robinson in Atlanta. Yeah. Yep. Uh, there's a guy Devin Duvernay's in Baltimore. They play tonight on Monday Night Football, but Tariq Black 
Tariq Black, the Michigan transfer, oh, played one Gallup, year in Texas. Yeah. He is still in Ravens camp. Justin oh. Tucker still plays for the Ravens. Buffalo has Puna Ford now. Yep, I remember that. That was a big pickup for them, though. They need him. He's gonna he's gonna play a lot for them. Yeah, he is. Yeah. They they think he's gonna help with their run defense yep. next to uh, mm. who's the big kid out of the University of Houston? Ed Oliver. Ed Oliver. Yeah, yeah. he's like the he's like the penetrator when he kind of ru- pass rushing D tackle. They need they need a run stuffing D tackle. That's what Puna is. Roshan Johnson in Chicago. Also Deontay Foreman. They, in Chicago. Yeah. Oh man. That's, I, I, and I wanted Deontay to end up with the Cowboys. I remember saying earlier the Cowboys should be trying to sign him, and they signed him for pennies. 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 That's one that because uh, I still I, I know for Cowboys fans if you're watching the Seattle game Saturday night, Rico Dowdle looked good in number twenty three, and Deuce Vaughn is making highlight reel runs. Mm. You still feel great about your back reel, not the back depth field behind Tony Pollard, not the depth, and then Tony Pollard's coming off an injury, and you want to be a power running team. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't like. It. They got to steal and do fun, no doubt. But I would have I wonder, liked them to have a. I, I shouldn't wonder. The serviceable backup. I, I assume the Cowboys will be looking at the waiver wire here when when running backs start to get released. You, you get. You just talked about a team, the Bears, who might be. They might be cutting one of their running backs. They got like three starting running backs. So Khalil Herbert's dead too, right? Yeah. yeah. Khalil Herbert. Uh, they got some backs. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so Cincinnati, who you saw this week, Joseph Osai. Can we play this, Joseph Osai? Osai. Actually, let's not play the highlight. It's not very good. He, it's, he, the, the, the announcer it botched it. It was a tipped interception, yeah. but it was re- intercepted by Joseph Osai in their game with Atlanta. So that was kind of cool. You had uh, Bijan against the Bengals, which means you had Osai and Bijan there. Oh, I'm sure. Actually, I wonder if I can go try to watch that game. I bet there was a situation where he ended up tackling Bijan. Yeah. Right? You know what I mean? Or trying to. Trying to. <laughs> Probably trying. Also, Marquise Goodwin has been the camp with the Cincinnati Bengals, bringing some speed elements. I actually did not realize Marquise was with Cincinnati. Yeah, Cincinnati Bengals. Man, no that wide receiving core is, is T, loaded. T. Higgins. Yeah, T. Higgins, Jamar uh, Chase. Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, Boyd. Marquise Goodwin. They're loaded. Yeah, Goodwin. I wonder if he's going to end up being the fourth receiver for that group. Either. Well, hey, t- take the top off. I got big receivers underneath. Yeah, you're right. Uh, Dallas has Malik Jefferson and DeMarvion Overshown, unfortunately. Unfortunately for DeMarvion, his season is over. I guess that's for Malik, though. I mean, he's been on that practice squad a few times. And, and he's been dinged up a little bit, too. Oh, are you right. I yeah. think he did have a little injury. Concussion or something. Yeah, that actually helps him out, though, in terms of him making the team because the Cowboys now have, unfortunately, depth issues at inside an off-ball linebacker. Because yeah, you mentioned, I didn't know DeMarvion got hurt, but I didn't know Jabril Cox. Jabril Cox and, remember, Demon Clark, we came off Demone of injuries, Clark. too. So there, you got those guys, and they should be stabilizing forces. But Lane Vanderish dealt with a couple of injuries last year and nicked him up, and that rush defense just cratered as a result of that. And we know Michael's going to be moving around a lot. He's a movable chess piece. They don't want him um, isolated and pigeonholed to just one position. So now you're looking at the depth that linebacker without Overshawn, and you're you got LVE, you got Damone Clark and Jabril Cox. Yeah, I mean those are your pretty much your top guys. Our man CB says that Marquise Goodwin is in Cleveland. Cleveland. Okay, this, uh, this list has that mistake. So Cleveland, okay. the other Ohio team. Okay, not I, was, I, was like, I was like, I didn't realize. I didn't things. either. But okay. that yeah, didn't sound right when I was saying it. But then yeah, Cleveland, Deshaun Watson. That's who picked him up to go with Amari Cooper. Ah, uh, there you go. And okay. uh, they like their receiver room, and, and they really like Elijah Moore in Cleveland. They remember they David, traded yes. a second round pick to the Jets to get Elijah Moore. Yep. Because Aaron Rodgers wanted Alan Lazard and some of his own buddies, and they wanted a second-round pick in New York. The Jets did, so they gave up Elijah Moore. He's had a really good camp. They've been handing him off the football, too, at times. Like, so quick. Straight-up handoffs to him. Dallas, as we mentioned, Demo's now out, unfortunately. What a terrible injury. Denver is where little Jordan Humphrey's hanging hey, out. Denver likes Longhorns, though. The Broncos, that organization likes Longhorns. P.J. Locke, Caden Stearns, and little Jordan Humphrey's. Yeah. In, uh, and Humphrey trying to make that roster. He's going to be one of the guys watching. P.J. Locke trying to make that team. Caden Stearns. 
Caden Sanders is he's, he's a lock. No pun intended. I didn't know this <laughs> until I watched the Texans game on Saturday. I know Hassan Ridgeway is part of that depth that they mm-hmm. brought in on the Houston Texans D line, but Andrew Beck. Andrew oh, Beck yeah. is who the used only, to be with the Broncos. Yeah, he's, right? the, he's yeah. the only fullback. Because obviously, uh, D'Amico Ryan's and their offensive coordinator, who came in from San Francisco, they want a tight end in their offense. I mean, and they, they lined do. up in a lot of I formation. With they Damian. ran two backs. They ran a fullback. They did. In that first and that was Andrew game. Beck. Oh, was that him? Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize that. Okay, well, he's going to make the team then because yeah. if Bobby, Bobby Slowick. Slowick's running the Shanahan offense, you know, Shanahan uses a traditional old school fullback yeah. at times. So he's going he, to use him a lot. Too. Too. Yeah, a lot. Actually. The kid who's the, the Pro Bowler guy in San Francisco? Use check. Use check. Use check. Well, Andrew Beck is that guy in Houston. Uh, you, wow. Yeah. That's a, I didn't realize that. Either. Usually you only keep one yeah. fullback slash H back. I think he's the only guy competing for the jobs. I think Andrew Beck has a good chance if he stays healthy I'm with you. to make that Houston team. Indianapolis has Sam Ellinger. Uh, Sam led the Colts on two touchdown drives in a four-minute span, and they tried to come back because you also had Longhorn on Longhorn there with with Sam and then Roshan and the Bears. And, Mr. And, August. And, yeah, Mr. So they call we, him up there. Let's hear the, let's hear the <laughs> highlight. Here's, here's call him Mr. August. Our producer, Ty Henderson, would say, that's my quarterback. Well, he's no exactly. Wesley Chaparro. <laughs> uh, but here's Sam Ellinger scoring a, another touchdown in August, because he does. He, he shines in the preseason. Last year, a guy that was a four-year really special teamer for the Colts. Ellinger. There's a path. There's a touchdown. Mr. August. Here he is again. Fourth quarter comeback. Sam Ellinger. I'll tell you what. But you know, getting back to that interview, I mean There you go, Sam Ellinger. Uh, hey, man. That was a running touchdown. You couldn't tell by the call. I would have loved to have been called Mr. August. That helped me make some football teams. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. August. That so means you're prepared. That means yeah. and as Todd Dodge said in our great conversation with Todd last week as he checks in on Sam Ellinger and all his former players, he said, you know, if he can carve out a career like uh, Chase Daniel did, Chase Daniels played like 15 years of backup oh, yeah. quarterback. Todd coached Chase Daniel at Missouri, or excuse man. me, at South Lake Carroll on his way to Missouri. You know, he's made a lot of money. I mean, a ton of money. He's made over $40 million. Who's of Chase Daniels' agent? That guy and he never did played. a great job. That's what I'm saying. His agent did a great job. Go look. Somebody, Chris Bennett will do this. Ooh. Or Ty can do it, our producer. Go look at comp- all-time snaps taken by Chase Daniels in an NFL game. Versus money made. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's a good ratio for him. Yeah, so or so he, game, actually, go game started. He's probably the leader, no doubt. Games regular season game started versus money made. Yeah. Now we can leave Jamarcus Russell out of that, or somebody who made a huge. <laughs> but Chase Daniels just played for so many years. That is fun. I didn't, I didn't, man, that's a that's a crazy number. I'll, I'll do that. Million if, if as a CB doesn't do it. Hey, because yeah. my coat can be a, be a backup for like five, six, seven more years and be good. Yeah, and and he's making good money. Great money. And unfortunately, because Baker Mayfield may find himself as a backup quarterback, somebody's losing all his money with the lawsuit he filed. Yeah, you got to find that. Twelve million? Twelve yeah. million. Yeah. You need to, you need to do some, uh, some, some investigation. You need to hire some, some, uh, your own private investigators to figure out what that bread is, man. Gotta, you know, that's a good gig. There's only 32 quarterbacks, which means there's only 64 if you make a backup job. Well, they, now they they'll pay start, that well. And now we know that the NFL changed the, like the, the third quarterback rule. So now I think you'll see more teams that will start keeping a third quarterback, too. And if it's spanned the practice squad, and now they changed the practice squad rules where you now, I believe, like close to uh, 24 hours before the game, you can actually – take a player up from practice squad immediately and put them on the game roster. So they, they gave them a lot more flexibility with the quarterback uh, position because, remember, in the playoffs, we had multiple backups starting 
in the playoffs. San Fran, uh, Miami, Baltimore, bad, and the NFL does not want bad, bad quarterback play in the playoffs. That's what you get usually with well, bad backups. Now we're down to now you got three quarterbacks that you're going to be able to keep on your roster. Exactly. So the NFL so figured, San, yeah. They by the way, I'll do the numbers by tomorrow. Or Chris C.B. will. He's 36 years old. Chase Daniel out of South Lake Carroll in Missouri. In his career, he's attempted 273 passes. Oh, so you do it via pass attempts then. 273. Like money, money made versus pass attempts. Oh. How much money made was it? Uh, well, I can tell you. It's oh. some ridiculous. Like, it was like $40 million. I don't know what Coach Dodd said, but it was a good amount of – it was good money. $41 million. $41 million. Over a 13-year career, now 14. How yeah. many pass attempts you said? 278. <laughs> 73, sorry. That's $147,000 per pass attempt. <laughs> That's good money. Hey, his South agent, team. he should invite his agent over for family get-togethers and for family reunions, Christmas. Cause that agent, that is a damn good agent, whoever Daniel, Daniel uh, his, his agent may be. That's fantastic. Yeah, Chase Daniel. That's, that's amazing. As a backup. As a backup. And, he, oh. and he's never, he's never started. I mean, find that stat on career starts. Because he's he's been in places where the quarterback doesn't get hurt, because uh, he was behind Drew Brees and and then he was behind gosh somebody in Kansas City before Pat Mahomes, Philadelphia Saints again with Drew Brees, Bears, Lions, and Chargers. So there's Chase Daniel and Todd Dodge said it right the other day. He, he's just a reliable dude. He's a reliable dude. He doesn't need the spotlight. He's yep. going to know the playbook. If you need him to come in, he's going to be ready to go. He's going to push your your scout team and and really run. And help things True week professional. To week. That's cool. True pro. Let's run through this real fast. The other Longhorns are the 41 competing. Uh, Keandre Coburn, we had a Chiefs fan saying that Coburn Snacks is getting some reps with the first team in Kansas City at times. He's a run stuffer. Anthony Cook is in Kansas City. Charles Amenahu is in Kansas mm, City. Yeah. He's got some off-field issues he's dealing with. How about this is one for the Cowboys to watch. If they're not happy with their place-kicking situation, Cameron Dicker has had a great camp with the Rams. But I did watch them play last night. They were on NFL Network and were playing the, uh, the Saints. Dustin Hopkins is back. Their yeah. starting kicker had been hurt in mm-hmm. camp, so Cameron Dicker could come available. You wonder if somebody like the Cowboys would be interested in the Dicker, the kicker. Miami has Deshaun Elliott, Brandon Jones, and Connor Williams. Three, I like do- that. three Dolphins. Connor Williams, they got playing center too, and that's he's actually played his best football in the NFL at center. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Minnesota's got Jordan Hicks, the linebacker. Cleveland has Calvin Anderson from Westlake High, of course. Go Shaps. Used to whoop my ass every day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he Calvin was, is in New England. He was uh, with Broncos, actually, previously, right? Ended yeah. up just signing New England. He was. Uh, another one of those. He's a really smart player. He's a really smart yeah, kid. He's, he's, yeah. uh, Adrian Phillips is there and Brendan Schooler, who's maintained a way to stay Brendan's, on that. Brendan's a special teams, baby. Schooler. Special teams. Uh, New Orleans away. has Malcolm Roach, of course, at defensive tackle. Uh, Colin Johnson is with the New York Giants. More Ojimo with the Philadelphia Eagles and reports on him. He's doing well. Seattle Seahawks have Michael Dixon and Quandre Diggs. Long ball Dixon. And keep an eye on this one. San Francisco 49ers. Your guy Shano has Deshaun Jameson, cornerback, who, as an undrafted player, reportedly having one hell of a camp. I've uh, heard Shano talking about Deshaun Jameson, and he like his uh, playmaking ability, makes a lot of good plays on the football. And I do believe they like the fact that he, gets, he gives you added value because he's a Elite returner. Remember, at Texas, he was one of the best returners in Texas football history. They Sarge's preferred X-Men and preferred some other guys like Keelan Robinson over Deshaun James. I have no idea why he was so demoted 
on special teams considering what he had accomplished. But there's no doubt he can be a, a good return guy in the NFL. And like I said, gives you a lot of added value there. And the 49ers, they play a lot of off coverage. He was always better as an off coverage defender where he could kind of triangulate quarterback to uh, number one wide receiver to number two wide receiver and then play zone using his uh, peripherals. And he's a really good uh, ball hawk. Because once the ball is thrown, he makes really good plays on the ball. I'm not surprised that Deshaun James at least is making some plays in training camp. Might end up making a practice squad in worst-case scenario. Coming back, we go behind the burnt orange curtain one more time. Plus, we'll hear from Bill Little, uh, legendary Bill Little, a tribute to him. Uh, a legendary uh, commentary he had on Bill on the life of Darrell Royal and uh, the impact he had on Texas. We'll have that for you coming up also before the end of the hour. What's popping? As we hand it off to Jim Rome, it's Ian Rodby. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Austin, Texas, Sports, The Horn. Wrapping up our Longhorns in NFL camps. As I mentioned at the end of the uh, segment, Deshaun Jameson, we run out of time. Josh Thompson is also trying to make the team in Tennessee, so keep an eye on that, playing safety in his rookie year. And Sam Cosme has got an established spot on the offensive line for the Washington Commanders, Rod. Oh, yeah. And I did the math. This is amazing. Chase Daniel who Todd Dodge mentioned in our conversation last week because he coached him in high school, has made over $41 million in career earnings. Wow. And he has started five games. <laughs> That's a good life, man. It's a good life. You can get it. Five total games in 13 years. So my math tells me, and I went to St. Ed's, and I was not a math major, mm. but at 41 divided by five starts, $8.25 million a start. It's a good gig if you can get it. It's a good gig if you can get it, man. Show up, be a pro, be reliable, be on time. Uh, and the NFL will pay you good money for it. And did he win it? What's his record in those stars? Do we know? I don't uh, even know if it matters. It doesn't even matter. It doesn't even matter. It don't matter. It was usually at the end of the year. Like, like yeah. you get a start when the – because fortunately, wherever he's been, the starter didn't get hurt. And so he, he – I know a couple times they would they, – they, they sat Drew Brees so he could – Like a playoff. Play, they already, they, they already got everything clinched. Yeah. yeah, be safe. And yeah, five, five. And he's thinking, is he, is he thinking about retiring? He's or played he... in 69 games. Nice. Uh, but he started just five. <laughs> is he thinking about retiring? Why or? would you? Exactly. He's only 36. <laughs> For real, let him make him kick you out the league, man. Okay, so there you go. There's Longhorns in the NFL. We've got behind the burn orange curtain coming, but someone who always was a pro and was on time. He was the sports information director at Texas when you were there, Rod. Oh, yeah. He was the director of media information when I got into radio and remember meeting Bill Little for the first few times. We got a little bit cross at times when Mac Brown was here because Mac would kind of use him to rein me in a little bit. I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> oh, he, he ordered the code red, order really classy Bill Little to deliver it. It's well, like, that's not, that's not what know, Bill likes to do. <laughs> I won't say what Mac wanted propaganda, but Mac wanted the message controlled as much as possible. Uh, as long as it was favorable to oh, Texas, oh, yeah. then he was fine with it. But can't you talk to those guys? I mean, they're yeah. our flagship station. <laughs> I mean, they should be on our team. He, he did not like you to be critical no. of the program. Yes, and, I've dealt with that too. And Bill <laughs> yeah. was the person to now. If it got really bad, then Cleve would have to be called in. But if it was, uh, oh yeah, it was the, the hierarchy was it was it, it, Bill Little, John Bianco, and then you get Cleve called. That means you really oh, said something. Bianco all the time, but if, if, yeah. if Little would call. Got a little more serious, and if you get invited to lunch with with Cleve and Mac, oh man, <laughs> you really stepped in some stuff at you that. Know, point. Yeah, exactly. You might be on the way to getting fired. You might need to watch your back. 
So you want it favorable? Like, what do you mean favorable? We're not allowed to talk about the game or whatever. But yeah, that. But Bill was always a, a pro's pro, Bill's classy, and a great gentleman. Awesome. And he passed away on Friday, unfortunately, of natural causes, according to his family, his wife Kim, uh, three children, and ten grandchildren. And if you know Longhorn sports, you know this voice. He was the PA announcer at Texas games for a decade at the football stadium. He was also Rod, the PA, and he did baseball. He did over 1,700 UT baseball games on the mic. Unbelievable. Talk about consistency. And that's why the press box at DKR and the press box at Dishwalk Field are both named after Bill Little. And uh, from 1968 until his retirement in 2014 was a fixture. And here is uh, a commentary. He used to, before football games, Rod, he used to do a Longhorn legend. Our Longhorn Mm -hmm. legend today and he would tell the story, the the history of Texas football. And he would take it all the way back to however far he had to go. But oh, yeah. this particular one I thought was poignant because it's a legend, talking about a legend, his uh, his commentary on Darrell Royal and the impact he had on the Texas football program. For more than half a century, Darrell Royal was the most important sports figure at the University of Texas. In the mid-1950s, the big school in Austin was looking for a head football coach to bring back the glory that DX Bible had brought in the 1940s. They sought out big names, famous coaches who were proven winners. But one by one, those guys decided to stay right where they were. There was one common theme, though. When asked about a name of an up-and-coming young coach who might be the right choice, they all recommended a former Oklahoma quarterback named Daryl Royal. So when the phone rang one late night in Seattle where Daryl Royal was the head football coach at the University of Washington, he answered it. A minute into the conversation, he covered the mouthpiece and said to his wife, Edith, this is it. This is Mr. Bible from the University of Texas. Almost 54 years later last week, we buried Daryl Royal as an icon of the university, the state, and college football world. Starting with the 1957 season, he took the Longhorns on a success run that was unequaled. In his 20 years as a head coach, his teams won 167 games, 11 conference championships, and three national titles. More than that, he became the face of Texas and Austin. 49 years ago today, November 22, 1963, Darrell Royal was tying his tie when he heard that President Kennedy had been shot in Dallas. Royal was preparing to greet the president at the airport when he arrived in Austin. He was friends with presidents and janitors. The respect and admiration for him spanned from Austin's east side to the White House in Washington. His trophies and honors were many, but the number paled in comparison to the lives he touched. For the little kids from the neighborhoods, it was always a greeting of a three-word name, Coach Darrell Royal. Never just Coach Royal, but Coach Darrell Royal. Perhaps that was because the children, who would grow old even as they honored him through all those years, felt a kinship. Royal, you see, never forgot his roots in the depression-ravaged Dust Bowl days of his home in southwestern Oklahoma. He did, after all, in one of those royalisms that he taught us, tell us to dance with who brung us. Everyone whose life he touched is left with a special memory that's far too many to mention here. But one lasting moment is important to recall. When I was working on the book, What It Means to Be a Longhorn, I asked Coach Royal to participate in the book's forward. In it, he told the story of that phone call from Mr. Bible so many years ago, and he talked about the people and the fortuitous turns his life had taken. And then he said this, When I think of what it means to be a Longhorn, I would define it in three words. It's a chance. It's an honor to be a Longhorn, but to me, it has always stood for a chance. 
It's about being the state university, and it's about pride, but it is always about opportunity. It is always important to maintain your integrity. I tried to do the right thing in recruiting by the rules and graduating kids, and I had it explained to me when I was hired that anything shy of that would not be tolerated at the University of Texas. But they didn't have to tell me that. That's what I was going to do anyway. I was 52 years old when I stepped away from coaching, and I have now spent more than 50 years of my life in association with the University of Texas. People have often asked me what I would like to be remembered as, and my answer is pretty simple. I tell them that on my tombstone. I don't want it to say that I never made a mistake. I'd like it to say he meant well. And so shall it be for our legend, our Longhorn legend tonight. I'm Bill Little. There it is. Chills with uh, Daryl Royal. Uh, pretty great stuff. Uh, I yeah. meant well. That was the extent of it, Rod. I mm-hmm. meant well. No, it's a, I, I love uh, how Bill Little puts uh, great perspective and context uh, with history. And if you are a, a Longhorn fan, like, you know, or even a member of the media like we are, and you've done any type of research and tried to you know, catalog and and track and, uh, you know, make sure you go back and really, really dive into Texas football history. There is no better resource and there was no better resource than Bill Little to help you do that, no matter which way you're doing it, whether it's from our point of view or a fan point of view. He always gave gave you such great perspective on it and uh, he'll be missed. No question. No question. It already is. No no doubt about that. Uh, Rest in peace, Mr. Little. 81 years young, and thoughts and prayers to your family. Can we get a little uh, behind the burnt orange curtain, Rod? One more time. We're looking forward about 20 minutes. You're going to get the Steve Sarkeesian availability let's and maybe some answers to some of these questions. But uh, let's get Rod behind the behind the BOC. And they were all asking themselves the same question. What is behind that curtain? All right, time to get to some more practice reports. We've been uh, obviously diving deep into the second scrimmage of training camp for the Longhorns, which uh, Steve Sarkeesian called the depth chart scrimmage. So I'm just going to go over a couple of reports that we have not really uh, gotten a chance to discuss. And one of them is about Anthony Hill and that off-ball linebacker spot opposite of Jalen Ford. Now, Anthony Hill is going to to play this year in it could be a situational role or maybe as a starting linebacker. But we know we're going to see his versatility um, and multiplicity because Sark has already said he's one of the second or first or second best pass rusher on the team. You know him and Byron Murphy, so we know that you'll see that guy on the field because they need to be able to translate more of those pressures into sacks. Only had twenty seven of them last year, uh, but apparently in the scrimmage, shout out to uh, C.J. Vogel. Uh, football Brainiacs, who does a really, really good job. Um, he said that Hill had a strong showing uh, with the second-team defense in today's scrimmage and reported that Hill was everywhere on defense making plays. In the last two scrimmages, they've really been able to show off his uh, versatility. He said one play Anthony Hill made that was mentioned uh, in, in scrimmage reports was that he had a nice PBU um, and that basically even in coverage, uh, not only just you know making disruptive plays, but even in coverage, uh, they've seen Anthony Hill shine uh, so far in these scrimmages and at practice. So he just he's a playmaker. We talked about some guys having a nose for the football, having great football instincts, um, being disruptors, havoc players, guys that cause havoc plays. Um, there is no doubt Anthony Hill fits that description of a havoc player who's extremely disruptive. And you know some of these young guys they've brought in, whether you're talking about Anthony Hill. 
or Malik Muhammad, who there are also practice reports that he forced another turnover, so that would make three takeaways that he has in two scrimmages, that these guys are forcing their way on the field because of their playmaking ability. They're havoc players, and one thing that PK has been trying to emphasize, so is Sark trying to emphasize this season, is how do we make more havoc plays? That splash plays on defense, sacks, tackles for loss, PBUs, interceptions, uh, forced fumbles, taking the football away. Honestly, a lot of that is putting players out there who are havoc-minded players. And there's no doubt Anthony Hill is one of those havoc-minded players. So watch that off-ball linebacker uh, competition. Sark is definitely going to be asked about it, or at least he should be asked about it. And right now they're saying that they have first-world problems there because David Benda has been really, really consistent. And it looks like David Benda is definitely going to be an option for that starting linebacker, uh, off-ball linebacker spot opposite Jalen Ford. But also, you got the high upside player in Anthony Hill you can throw there, too. And yeah. it, Mo, Mo Blackwell is another guy that was competing for that spot, too. Well, and I'd also say that in the Big 12, and maybe even against Alabama, we know there will be times when you have three linebackers on the field. Yeah, you go up against a run-heavy team that wants to run the football, well, Iowa State, K-State. Yeah, we don't know what Tommy Reese is going to be. He was the offensive coordinator at Bama, but at Notre Dame, he was a meat and potatoes, two tight end, you know, line it up and come at you. So there may be room for Anthony Hill in a three-linebacker set where you got to be able to get some thump in there and uh, stop a strong running game. Bama mm-hmm. would be the first one I would think of. Uh, but, yes, you're right. Uh, I heard the same I mentioned, Diamante Tucker-Dorsey. The last year linebacker has said, watch for David Benda. He's ready to take that big step and get mm-hmm. his opportunity. He's he's not just a veteran player, but he's now three years in this system with Pete Kwiatkowski. He's been here the whole time, and he really has absorbed it. And as you said, situationally sound. Yeah, and I, I think— We'll let our Havoc players make Havoc. You be where you need to be. Yeah, and I, I was one of those guys. So I remember that, that be where you're supposed to be, do your job guy. That was Rod B. I didn't make a ton of Havoc plays and plays on the ball. I made enough of them. But you also need guys that are going to stabilize the structural integrity of your defense. Havoc players, I love Havoc players and disruptors, but oftentimes they are high-risk, high-reward players. They'll give up some plays. So you need some stabilizing forces within that defense. And I think they got some. Of, they got a nice mix. If I was defensive coordinator, I want a nice mix of all those those guys um, also so we're talking about competition one of the biggest um, I would say spots for open competition so far this offseason has been that cornerback spot opposite of Ryan Watts and now we may be even seeing Ryan Watts uh, spot be open for a little bit more competition they love Malik Muhammad, Malik Muhammad excuse me as I brought up and they love Terrence Brooks too uh, there's even a report that uh, Sarkis said both of those guys can play boundary and field side corner, and Malik Muhammad is trending in the right uh, right way. They believe they might have three starting corners uh, between Ryan Watts, Terrence Brooks, and Malik Muhammad. That is a great problem to have because uh, some tells me you're gonna need them all. You need them all. Well, again, you go run. You, if you run heavy team, you can uh, maybe have a third linebacker with Benda's emergence, and then you know, Jet Bush is also there. And if you need you know coverage because you're playing a pass team. Uh, sounds like the Longhorns are deeper in those spots, and as I said earlier, I think I think Sark. You know, if you look at where he targeted in the transfer portal, it was defensive back where they went and got Jalen Catalan and Gavin Holmes. Even though they knew they had a lot of these guys coming back, mm-hmm. uh, and and then they brought in you know Malik Muhammad, high level corner. high level five star yeah. corner, so three big time corner additions and safety additions, and then wide receiver where they got real thin last year, especially when X Man was had a broken hand, they didn't have many other options. They went out and brought in A.D. Mitchell. Uh, they got Isaiah Nayer back. They went and got Jonte Cook out of DeSoto, and it's like we're not, we're not, 
We're not mm-hmm. going to be short at wide receiver again. We're going to nope. make sure we're loaded up there. All right, good stuff. 11 o'clock. That'll be about 15 minutes. Sark will begin that uh, right around that time. When practice ends, they'll do a media availability. We'll start uh, putting some stuff out there and certainly have it for you. Full rundown with it tomorrow here on our five hours of live and local conversation here on Ian Ryby. Coming back. Quick round of what's poppin' on our way to Jim Rome at the top of the hour. What's poppin'? Who you a Brand new whip, just hopped in. I got options. I can pass it like stockin'. Just joshin'. I'm spending this holiday locked in. What's poppin'? What's poppin'? You've been poppin' this morning. Appreciate Rod Babers, Ty, and all of you who have participated on the Good, Bad, and Ugly <laughs> Thoughts on the Specs text line. Also appreciate Pete Futak jumping in, talking college football. It's Great tough. points, I thought, on the uh, – the Pac-12, the hierarchy of it, the quarterback-heavy conference that it is, as you pointed out, Rob, with uh, number 11 in our countdown, the Horn Top 20 countdown being Washington, and then Utah at number 10. And mm-hmm. we'll have USC on our way to number one. He thinks USC is loaded up through the transfer portal on defense and can absolutely be in the college football playoff. But Pac-12 is pretty darn good, and you're going to be facing, once you get in conference play, USC is going to face a really good quarterback. Yeah, no doubt about it. I think for for for, for Lincoln Riley though, it does seem like that's his mo. Is that the offense is going to be gangbusters, elite and prolific, and we know that. And the quarterbacks are going to end up being highly drafted quarterbacks, Heisman finalists. But the defense is going to take a while. I mean, that's been his. Is it at Oklahoma? It was the same thing. It took a while, but he figured out the defense at Oklahoma. It just got it took better. It got better, got it but, better. It, but it, but it, it wasn't, took way too long. It wasn't good enough once they got to the Final Four. No, no, to be a, it wasn't a championship caliber defense. It was Big Twelve wanted, championship. Yes, there you go. And I think at USC, at least now, there may be a faster, uh, expedited uh, development of that defense in, at USC because he can get better athletes. Yeah, yeah. And I think that uh, sorry, Oklahoma. I didn't mean Oklahoma's had a pretty good athlete. They get athlete, but 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 he, under Lincoln Riley, they didn't. As that's well, why Lincoln Riley. Defense. Yeah, that's why he left. Because well, he, when Bob yeah, Stoops yeah. was bringing in guys like Tommy Harris and bringing in dudes up front and playing, oh, I remember Andre. Wolfolk. They actually inherited oh, Roy Wolfolk. Williams and Teddy Lane. Derek Strait. Remember Derek Strait from Dusty Dvorak. He was like Central Texas guy. And but you know that was Bob Stoops, right? Bob Stoops was a defensive guy, and that's yeah. why Stoops won the last championship Oklahoma's won was Bob Stoops because he had the great defense because that was his bread and butter and his mm-hmm. mindset. And he hired guys like Mike Leach to come in and run his offense. And, smart. And you know combine the two. I do believe at Oklahoma Lincoln Riley kept the offense cranking and maybe improved it, but let the defense slide. Uh, yeah, and there's, there's always this, you know, thought or belief about the air raid. You know, that's what that's what you know Bob Seuss was trying. He was trying to break the. I don't know back then if it actually had that reputation, but now it does. It's a reputation that stigma for the air raid that it abandoned defense. Like it, it, it and you combine both. Yeah, it infects defense and autumn and and over the course of I don't know four or five years, it'll have a deteriorating effect on your defense because the air raid is a religion. And you have to devote everything in your program to it in order to be successful. And then that obsession with offense affects your ability to be a balanced football team. That's the belief. Well, and I just think you become more of a finesse team up front, which yeah. makes practices less physical. All and that, yeah. A style of play, and your defense becomes. Yeah, I think there's there's a but. But Bob Stoops did the best job. He balanced of it better than anybody else. He's the only one that won a, a national time. title running the actual air raid right, offense. The, the originator. The originator. <laughs> Uh, for sure. Okay, so that's uh, popping our conversation with Pete Futak. Also, what's popping tonight? Baseball, poppin'? baseball, Rod. Because the the this is really getting interesting. Because for so long and so much of the summer, the Astros and Rangers have been a two team race in the American League go, West. Go. But here come the Mariners. They are now three back of the Rangers, half game back of the Astros. And guess who the Astros play four games starting tonight? The Boston Red Sox, Rod. Game hey. one of a four game series at Minute Maid Park. 
They hopefully get Kyle Tucker back if you're an Astros fan. Tucker you need missed him. the whole series with an illness. You need him. And, uh, man, he he middle that order with Jordan. He was such a great clutch run producer. They needed that against Seattle. But Seattle beat him up. Um, so Boston is in. But, but Boston just beat the hell out of the Yankees for three games. Oh, everybody's beating the hell out of the Yankees. Yankees are on their <laughs> longest losing streak yeah. since 1995. Exactly. They're, a, they're actually right now kind of a, you know. They're kind of a punching bag. But the Red Sox are feeling the momentum. How about this? As I mentioned, the Astros went 2-8 and against the Mariners this year. The Red Sox beat the Yankees 8 out of 9 times in that series. 8 out of 9. Rivals, baby. 8-1. and Mm. It's not much of a rivalry this year because the Yankees are getting their heads kicked in uh, by the Boston Red Sox. But Astros, four games tonight. And remember, in the wild card standings, Red Sox are only... Couple, you know, three games out of, of a wild card, so they're in the mix, and this becomes a huge four game series for them. And that's a good point. That the Astros got to think about that wild card, man. Rangers are going to Arizona to play the Young tight. Diamondbacks, uh, so that'll be popping. You have a pick for us tonight, there, Ty. Give it to us. I'm going to take the Commanders over the Ravens. Monday tonight. night football. Bah, 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 bah. What? You're going to break the 24? Was it 24 game preseason win streak for yep. the Ravens? Streaks come to an end. Wow. Tonight. Well, on Friday, Ty gave us take the Rangers over the Brewers, and that went 0 and three. Yeah, so That's win right. the series. Ah, you win some, you lose. Make your money back. Nah. This says uh, Baltimore, Washington. Line is a point and a half. Baltimore favored by a point and a half. Mm. See what that Eric Bieniemy offense looks like. Will you be watching Monday Night Football tonight, Rod? I will, but I'm also watching Billions because I missed it. I uh, saw last night. the episode. Yes. I won't spoil it. It's for good you. though, isn't it? It's pretty good. Yeah, I know it. Is. Axe is back. Axe is back. <laughs> and the, the run for president has begun. Ooh. Uh, Spoiler alert. Baltimore, Washington tonight on Monday Night Football. Check that out. We'll be talking about it tomorrow. That's Devin Duvernay. That's Justin Tucker. That's some lifetime Longhorns. But it's also, uh, I'll see if it's a, what does Lamar Jackson look like in the new offense? That's going to be with fun Todd to Monken. Yeah. And is it Sam Howell? If he's, I hope he's playing tonight. Sam Howell, <laughs> the starting quarterback of your Washington Commanders? <laughs> well, that'll be popping tonight. Rod, have a great Monday. You too, brother. Y'all have a great Monday, too. Uh, We'll get back at it 6 a.m. tomorrow morning, every hour podcast at hornfm.com.